Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Callahan, And I'm Mark Schenk. Well, here we are in isolation, or as in Australia, they call it ISO. We like to shorten things in Australia. So, Mark, what have you been doing in ISO? Anything uh, uh, keeping you uh, interested and interesting at the moment? Well, lots of, lots of things. Um, certainly the... Delivering our workshops online uh, has been a great, uh, great experience. But uh, I've, my son and I have built a golf driving range on the roof. And so we've got a net and a mat. So uh, uh, every, you know, probably two or three times a day, I'll go up there and spend 10 minutes uh, hitting balls and honing the swing. And, and because there's no way that we're going to have visitors the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the dining room, the table is over against the wall and we've, uh, we've put in a couple of uh, exercise mats uh, that have formed a putting green. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> so you, you can, uh, can you chip up to the third and fourth floor? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, it's not no, that level of school yet. <laughs> I had a nice um, experience on our street where I thought, oh, what am I going to do? Maybe I should make some sort of connection with uh, my neighbours. And so I went around and I popped a, a note in everyone's uh, mailbox just sort of saying, look, if there's anything I can do to, to help out, but uh, wouldn't it be good if we created a, you know, a WhatsApp group? And so now I've met all these people who I've, you know, I've been living here for 15 years, uh, didn't know any of these neighbours, and now I know, I don't know, probably 12, 14 uh, neighbours who, um, you know, we, we catch up every now and then, not too much. It's not like it's an impost on anyone in particular. And... Um, but it's nice walking down the street, sort of, oh, g'day, Jerry. Oh, hey, Sarah, how are you going? It's, it's like uh, the good old days. Very nice. Yeah, so, so rather than social distancing, you've got uh, social cohesion. That's what is happening here, right on Grandview yeah. Avenue. So, uh, yeah. yep, it's all... Of course, you only go outside. Uh, you keep two metres apart. Uh, you, don't, uh, you don't linger. You just get exercise and then you come back inside or follow the rules. That's right, exactly. Yep. Hey, so we have a, a story for everyone uh, today, uh, and you're telling this story today, Mark. So, um, do we need to do any setup, or we're we just going to jump straight in? Ah, uh, we'll just launch straight in, I think. And okay. the the story is I read it in the book The Power of Moments by Chip and Dan Heath, and uh, starts. Well, when does it start? Anyway, we'll just start in in, uh, in the late '80s, and so in a school, a uh, high school in in California, a bunch of students in English class are reading William Golding's book, Lord of the, Lord of the Flies. And I'll probably say Lord of the Rings a few times as we, uh, as we do this. But anyway, William Golding's book, Lord of the Flies. And so Lord of the Flies, for those that don't know it, it's a book about a bunch of schoolboys who are marooned on a desert island and they're kind of detached from the boundaries and rules and norms of society and they revert to savagery. And... The book is based on Golding's, uh, he not loosely based on his experiences in World War II, where he saw a lot of brutality. And he, he was kind of exploring uh, the possibility that uh, the faults of society are actually representative of the faults in human nature. So, anyway, the kids are reading the book and the teacher walks in and hands a very official looking legal document that says, William Golding, the author, has been accused of grossly mis of, of libel grossly misrepresenting human behaviour in his portrayal of the boy's reversion to savagery. And 
So this happened for the first time in 1989. And the kids actually go through this process where over two months, they have roles. You know, there's uh, prosecution, defence, judges, witnesses. So witnesses for the prosecution, witnesses for the, for the defence. And uh, they prepare... They, they, all have, they, they all have roles and then they go on the day of the trial, they go to a real court and they walk in and there's the, you know, the, the, the jury box and the, 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 the witness, uh, the, sorry, the, the gallery and they have a trial, witnesses, jury, etc. And sometimes Golding gets acquitted of, uh, of, of the charges and sometimes he's convicted and the, they go through this this process, and it's been going on for nearly nearly uh, was it nearly thirty years now. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. And, and so, what got them into that? Like, well, what happened was that one of the teachers, a social studies teacher, was only three years into his time as a teacher, and he already felt that he was getting boring. Read a book, uh, have a chat, do a test, and he just thought, "Wow, this is no good." But apparently, what had happened was that. Uh, he and an English teacher had set a major assignment, which was due on the same date. And the kids were all complaining. The teachers got together. And anyway, they decided to do something completely different, which was the Golding trial. Now, it took a bit of work that first time. And they didn't, you know, they didn't really know what was going to happen. But their objective was, how do we do something that is as memorable for these kids as prom night? Because you know, when you finish high school... Yeah, prom night's kind of the thing. You know, the football game, prom night, etc. How do we have an academic experience? And one of the things they noted was that it's now a thing, right? Parents come along. They don't just go to the ball game or, or graduation. They, they come along to the Golding Trial. Most graduation speeches mention the Golding Trial. Wow. Apparently, they don't mention prom. Um, so by many measures, this is a fantastic experience that the kids have. Uh, the other thing is that they noted that one of the first questions that high, high school students ask is, how many points is this worth? And apparently they don't do that with the, with that, uh, the Golding trial. They come in after hours. There's a huge amount of extra effort that they put in. And uh, it's purportedly a great educational experience. <laughs> oh, God. That's, uh, I'd love to have done that as a kid. I did take my kids once to, the, to do a trial of Ned Kelly, who is a a bushranger here in Australia, um, in, in the jail. He was put to death, poor old Ned Kelly. Um, but uh, that, that was great because everyone got to dress up and, you know, it was a theatre ex exercise, right? So I can see how his kids would absolutely love that. Yeah. Did you just do that or did, was that something you organised with the jail? Oh, no, my, my sister, whenever she would come to Melbourne, she's very much a person who wants to do activities and she found that activity and we all went and we had a great time. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Okay, this story, let's, let's go through it. Um, well, we usually start off with what do we like about the story? You know, what's, what's yeah, the why, why does it work? Yeah, why does it work? Um, I think the thing, thing for me is that, you know, it has this, has so many different, you know, things you can draw from it, you know, in terms of the importance of, uh, not only experiences, but memories, strong memories of experiences. And I know that Daniel Kahneman, of course, was very much into this idea of the difference between the lived experience versus the remembered experience, and that your life is kind of defined by your remembered experience. Uh, that's how you determine how well you've done or, you know, the good things that have happened or all the bad things that have happened. 
And I think for these kids, uh, you create that event creates a a remembered experience, right? Yeah, I reckon too is, is they can if they can tell a story about that remembered experience, even better, right? Oh yeah, yeah, and I imagine that many of them would be able they would talk about that experience and about the time where they dressed up as Gandhi and and stood in court and defended Golding or or, or yep. the other way around. Um, yeah. yeah, and you know, like any good plays, there'd be all sorts of shenanigans going on the on the outskirts, which would make up for um, you know probably uh, half of the stories that get told. Yep, and <laughs> probably a good deal of fun as well as a bit of learning. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about for you? What what are some of the things that stand out and it makes that story work for you? Well, one of the reasons that works for me is because I did read uh, Lord of the Flies at school. Ah. Right, and uh, and so I was like, "Oh, that's one of the reasons why I'm telling it." Because I, I read it and I went, "Ah, I like that." And of course, that's because it's very relevant to me. It's one of the things. Ah, that, um, so yeah, so that makes a this makes an important point about relevance, right? Uh, if you're going to pick a, a story to share to a group of colleagues, let's say they're of our vintage, you know, young fellas that we are in our fifties. Lord of the Flies is sort of in that, you know, that pocket, right? Whereas for someone else, you might have to be telling stories of uh, uh, something a little bit more recent. Yeah, uh, some more contemporary. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, I think so that's, that's something. And now, and now begs the question for me of whether uh, Lord of the Flies is still uh, on the, in the curriculum of, uh, of high schools. No idea. No idea. I'm sure someone can... Uh, reply on that one let us know on the comments uh, section of the podcast so what about making that story even better yeah look i thought um i i think in that telling you tried to tell too much i think if you had a just a single point that you were going to make and just told that bit um then that would actually be an even stronger story because I can see, I can see as you were telling it, you're sort of going, "Oh, and you also, I should tell you about," and then you told me another bit, and then a, a third bit, uh, which is fine, you know, in terms of just getting a, a story out uh, in its first version. But as you hone it, I reckon you would find a, a specific point that you were trying to deliver on that. Yeah. So that was the second telling of that. Yeah. Um, we had, right. a, had an initial telling, and then a second telling, and of course, one of the things that we say is that. Uh, don't share your first draft. Don't share your second draft. Third or fourth draft is the time when it's ready for public consumption. So um, we've just broken that rule. Yeah. <laughs> it's a principle. Guideline. Guideline, that's right. Yeah, look, I, I think, um, I reckon, you know, there's easily a very short version of that. Um, you know, you can do a longer version of it by just filling in more of the details. Um, but it does beg the question of what would be like the relevant statement or you know, some potential relevant statements that could go with that, that story. Yeah, so, and when we had the discussion about how do we start that story, we, you know, do we start with a relevant statement or not? Now, we just decided that we'd just go, oh, power of moments and tell the story. Because one of the things that helps shape the story is being clear on the point you're trying to make with the story at that moment. And as you say, because I didn't have a point, I tried to cover too many things. Yeah, yeah. 
But I reckon one of the points uh, that you could make is just simply that, you know, we learn best when we can attach it to, you know, a real-life experience, especially one where we're moving around and we're totally engaged in, right? Because if you were, I can imagine, let's say you were involved in some design experience, you're designing some sort of learning experience, you know, the Golding story would be not a bad one to tell, right? Because you would actually um, stretch people's minds a little bit in terms of, okay, what could we make this learning experience be? Uh, it, could be it could be more than just this, you know, constrained idea, let's bring it out, let's, let's get, you know, really come at it from different uh, directions. So I think that could be one. Yep. So um, just before we move on to that part, which is, you know, how do we, how do we uh, use that in a business context? One of the things for me that would have made that even better was having measurable outcomes. If there was some data, had they collected data? You know, did, did kids' grades in English go up? Yeah, um, right. That, yes. would have been, that would have made the story be, even better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially for business-minded people. I like to... Like to hear the data. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So a, another way, I think, a simple point you could use, or that you could use that story to make is, folks, if you want to achieve something, you need to try different things. Now, there was a teacher back in 1979 who wanted to, uh, 1989, who wanted to uh, create more meaningful academic experiences. And blah yep. blah blah. There you go. Yep. So think about what you're doing and what what things can you do differently to create better outcomes. I've been um, uh, asked by an organisation, a government organisation, actually, to help them collect stories of innovation. And you know, this would be an ex this would be an innovation story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And. And what I'm getting them to do in, in their organisation is collect a whole bunch of innovation stories, share them, and then just have conversations around them. We've done this with a range of different uh, companies and, um, you know, it really does help embed uh, a different mindset and uh, the learnings, the great learnings from all the different innovations. You start to realise that innovation is not just one black and white thing. It's, uh, it's made up of lots of different things, lots of possibilities. Yeah, and it kind of it's a it's a it's a, a a different way of thinking about getting more innovation happening because a lot of organisations go let's define innovation let's have a great definition of innovation and we'll share the definition of it. And it's like yeah that's kind of that's that's kind of okay but um, everyone's just going to argue about the definition just go and find some examples yeah exactly what does it look like mm. yeah other business points other business points. Um... I think they were the ones that really jumped out for me. Except one, one of the things I, I'm a big believer in, in, and it sort of did derive from that Kahneman work on uh, lived versus remembered experience. Um, but when my wife and I, Sheena and I, went uh, walking in Spain uh, on the Camino, um, we had that experience where at the end of the day, Sometimes we'd be sitting just the two of us at a table and you didn't share what happened during the day because you were both with each other through the whole day, right? And, and so it was a less memorable day than those days when we sat with a group of people who we didn't meet because we would retell the stories of what happened during that day. 
And those retelling the stories sort of embedded in us a little bit about what happened and it was the more memorable day. And I just wonder for those kids that, you know, school is just this repetitive thing and then, boom, there's something very different happens. They would be telling those stories to their family, to their friends, and as a result of that, they're amplifying the experience. So I like to think that stories give memory a fighting chance uh, so that uh, if you can tell the story of the memory, well, that's when you, you know, got something that's solid and, and can be retold and, and even written down or, or recorded or whatever. So I think yeah. there's something in there that you could potentially use that story for. I, I certainly would. Well, for me, there's one more that I would think of, which is just if you can, if you can get people interested in something, you're, you're going to get a lot more discretionary effort. People will put in a lot more effort and uh, just because they're interested in it. So it's like that, that thing, follow your passion or find, help people find their passion um, because that's where their, their effort will go. And I remember back 10 years ago doing work, working with a government organisation around communities of practice or a community of practice around, well, of all things, SAP implementations. Um, and Exciting stuff. <laughs> in the right hands, apparently. But uh, I, I asked them to list all the things that they think the group should do. And they came up with a list. Oh, yeah, we should focus on change management. We should have a configuration management group. We should do this and we should do this. And then I said, all right, who wants to sign up for these things? And it's like, it was crickets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, obviously, we think we should do this. And then I asked a different question, which is, what thing would you be interested in doing? And they came up with a completely different list and people signed up for them. And yeah. so just the difference between what people think they should do and the things that they're interested in. So uh, this story could be an example of help people find something, you know, do something that people are interested in and they are likely to put a lot more effort into it. Yeah. And I think this is playing out right now with the, the isolation, the COVID-19 isolation for, for school kids. There's a lot of parents at the moment are thinking, I've got to, I've got to give them schooling, right? And they're going to do schooling. And in their mind, schooling means pain and going through boring exercises and, you know. And then I, I uh, see a friend of mine in Seattle, Nancy White. She's got these two young granddaughters that uh, she's, she looks after. And, uh, and, all, and they're out in the garden and they're measuring plants and they're making mud cakes and, 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 and they're doing all these things. And they're learning. They'd be learning a shitload, right? Um, but they're not thinking they're learning. They're just having fun. And unfortunately, I think there's going to be a lot of kids are going to be tortured with this home learning experience because the parents have such a, a narrow view of learning, right? Um, they probably didn't like school much anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, learning consists of sitting in front of your computer, listening to your teacher or, or watching a video or something when, in fact, getting out and and measuring a room just give them a tape measure and say measure the room they'll learn heaps yeah. from doing that yeah exactly so anyway i think there's uh, some interesting things that's going to be going down in the home learning experience of COVID 19 isolation yeah, yeah. good okay well 
Uh, this is where we um, give it a bit of a rating. Uh, since you told the story, I'll go first. Um, I, th I look, I think, hmm, I'll be realistic. I, I think this is a, probably a six out of 10 for me. Um, and it, it's a six probably because I can't imagine myself telling it that often, you know, like it's, um, it's a, probably a good one to have in the back pocket for that very specific time where it makes sense, but I don't think it would be something I'd tell over um, many times. What about you? How are you rating your uh, story? Yeah, um, it's a six as well. The, I, I think the main use I would see for this story from a personal perspective is if I wanted to demonstrate to people that you need, if you want pe people to get interested in something and, and, and work harder and, and do more, then find something they're interested in. So that's probably not going to happen that often. And, you know, your story about SAP implementation is probably, a, probably makes that point better. <laughs> no, I'm thinking about this. Probably makes it better because it's a personal story, you know, and it's not twice removed. Um, whereas, um, you know, and maybe because it's an American story and we're here in Australia, that's another, you know, one step further away as well. Um, yeah. yeah, so, but yeah, okay. Two sixes. Well done. Okay, is there anything we need to let everyone know of before we uh, head out? Oh, just to take care and, well, there'll be an end to this eventually. It'll be a, probably a different end than we're expecting to, but just take care of yourselves. Yeah, that's right. Stay safe, be well. And, um, yeah, look, guys, um, thanks again for listening to Anecdotally Speaking. And, um, yeah, tune in soon for another episode on how to put your stories to work. Bye for now. Thank you.